0: Our scripture comes to us this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Hear now the word of the Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman from the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment, She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be Amen. to God. This morning I am beginning an Advent sermon series called Home for the Holidays. My premise is that the Savior is on his way and he's coming to your home This Christmas. The question our text asks us this morning is what kind of welcome will Jesus receive when he arrives? Now, Advent is such a a wonderful time of year. From the moment Thanksgiving is over, if not before, we all start getting into the Christmas spirit. The decorations start going up, the festivities start to begin. There's holiday music playing everywhere. We start spending far more money than we should, buying presents for one another that we really don't need. We start eating way more food and holiday treats than we should. And then there are all the parties. Office parties, dinner parties, open house parties, decorating parties, cookie exchange parties. Parties are a wonderful thing, aren't they? It's always such an honor to be invited to one, especially in somebody's home. It makes us feel important and special. But imagine if, after you arrived at someone's home for a party to which you had been invited, the host, making sure everyone there could hear, looks at you and says, Oh. It's you, and then turns with a sneer and walks out of the room. You just might start to get the impression that, despite your invitation, you were not actually very welcome there after all. Now, this is basically what happens to Jesus this morning when he arrives at the home of Simon the Pharisee for a dinner party. Now, in these days, it was often common for people to invite rabbis over for a meal and and conversation, perhaps some friendly debate about the finer points of the Jewish law. And in the case of wealthier people who had larger homes with a courtyard in the middle, poor people from the community were allowed to come in and, and, and gather along the walls of the dining area or outside in the courtyard so that they could listen in on the conversation and glean a few pearls of wisdom from the great teachers but also so they could eat some of the food that was left over after the guests were finished. Now, when a guest arrived at someone's home for a dinner party, there was a series of social customs that were expected to be followed as a way of welcoming that person. This is true in every culture. And while in our culture these customs are not... Overly structured, we still have them. When someone comes to our house, we would typically say something like, Hey, it's so good to see you. Please come on in. Let me take your coat. Won't you please sit down? Can I get you something to drink? etc. They're not carefully prescribed, but there's still at least some basic expectations. Now, in Jesus' culture, where hospitality was the ultimate value. These rules of hospitality were very carefully defined and extremely important. When guests would come over to your home for dinner, at the very least, you would be expected to offer them a kiss on the cheek to welcome them. Then you would provide cool water for them to soothe and and cleanse their feet from the dust of the road. And then you would anoint their head with olive oil or rose-scented oil. Once all the guests had arrived and the food was ready, everyone would lie down on low dinner couches arranged in the shape of a U with a food table in the center. Everyone would, would lean on pillows on their left side and eat with their right hand, with their feet pointing back towards the wall, and all the riffraff who may have gathered there. But when Jesus arrives at the Pharisee's house, Simon doesn't follow any of the rules of hospitality. No kiss, no water, no oil. And everyone there knows it. It is a very public insult, a way of putting this upstart young rabbi in his place. After all, Jesus just didn't behave the way a good rabbi should. He kept hanging out with tax collectors and other flagrant sinners. He he even ate with them. And He kept preaching to them about God's mercy and grace, claiming that God loves them even though they had not done all the things to repent from their sins that the Pharisees thought were necessary for God to accept them, which included confessing and feeling very sorry for your failures, being determined to not do it again, and making compensation for all of your sins or your Debts. Now imagine for a moment that you are a prostitute in this community. Somehow, perhaps through being widowed or abandoned by your husband with no other male relatives to take you in, you were forced into the streets doing the only thing you could to survive. And no matter how sorry you are for your sins, and how much you wish you could leave this awful, abusive, dehumanizing way of life, there was little chance of that. And even if you could, there was no way you could possibly ever make up for all of your sins. The debt was just too great. And therefore, according to the religious authorities, forgiveness is a practical impossibility for you. You will never be accepted by God. And all those self-righteous religious types made sure you never forgot it. But then one day, you hear this young rabbi preaching in the village. And he's like, no other person you've ever encountered before, and he talks about God's kingdom and and God's love in such a way that you almost think that he actually knows God, and he insists that God loves sinners like you. He even claims that your sins are forgiven if you would only believe and receive it. And by some miracle of grace, you do. <laughs> and for the first time in as long as you can remember, you feel free. You feel like a whole new person, no longer mired in shame, and all because of Jesus. And then you hear that Jesus has been invited to to Simon's house for dinner that night. And and so you go and gather with all of the other uninvited around the, the edge of the dining area to wait for Jesus' arrival so that you would hear more of his gracious words and maybe show him just how grateful you are by offering him your expensive ointment. It was the greatest gift you had to give. But when Jesus arrives, he is publicly insulted by Simon, this beautiful, wonderful man who had made you believe that you were loved and forgiven, was being humiliated. And overcome with emotion, you begin to weep, and the tears just keep falling. And so you, you kneel down behind Jesus, and you start washing his dirty feet with your tears that just keep pouring out of your eyes like a river. And then you let down your hair in order to dry them. Now you have to understand that for a Jewish woman in this culture, letting down your hair was a very sensual act that was reserved only for your husband, who would see it for the first time on your wedding night. After that, no one else would ever see it again. It was kind of like taking off all your clothes in our culture, or at least it used to be. But letting down your hair in public was just unthinkable. But this woman didn't care. The only thing that mattered to her, the only thing she was concerned about, was Jesus. And she was offering everything she had to him. And if Simon wasn't going to properly welcome Jesus, then she would do it for him. And so after washing Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, she covers Jesus' feet with kisses, and then she anoints his feet with her precious ointment in a tender and extravagant display of gratitude, devotion and love. But when Simon sees what this woman is doing, he thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman this is, who is fondling him, that she is a sinner. But knowing what Simon is thinking, Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And then he offers Simon a little parable. He says there there once was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other owed 50. When both of them were unable to pay, the man canceled both of their debts. Now, which one, Jesus asks, will love him more? And Simon realizing he might be caught in a trap, says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus says, you are correct. And then Jesus basically says to him, do you see this woman, Simon? You believe that she is just a sinner beyond God's grace and therefore someone to be avoided at all costs lest you become tainted as well. But I came into your house as your guest and yet you refused to offer me the rules of hospitality that we both know are required of us. But she is making up for your failures doing for me what you would not. She is paying your debt. And so if I'm going to have to stay away from a sinner, Simon, then that means I'm going to have to avoid you. But because she has been forgiven so much, she has shown great love but the one who receives little forgiveness shows little love. It turns out that despite his invitation to Simon's house, Jesus was not actually welcome there after all because Simon mistakenly believed that Jesus had nothing to offer him. Those who believe they have Little sin, have little need for forgiveness, and also, therefore, little gratitude. Now, maybe Simon was just curious about Jesus, but he certainly wasn't ready to offer him him, a permanent place in his home. Uh, He had Jesus over for dinner, but then he wanted him on his way. After all, welcoming Jesus into his home might change him. It might force him to to look at his own life and the people around him in a new light, which would not always be very comfortable or pleasant, especially for one who was so sure he had such little need for God's grace. You know, it's, it's actually not so different from how we often are during the season of Advent. I mean, we all get into the Christmas spirit. We decorate our houses. We buy all the presents. We go to all the parties. We we even start saying Merry Christmas to complete strangers. And yet, we often spend way more time preparing for the season of Christmas than we do for the arrival of the Saviour. We're often far more concerned about the appearance of our houses than the condition of our hearts. We're much more interested in the idea of Jesus than offering him a permanent residence in our homes. We get so caught up in buying lots of gifts for other people that we fail to receive the greatest gift of all that was given for us. We become so busy with so many other things during Advent that we fail to focus on the one thing, the one concern, the one person who should have all of our attention and devotion at Christmas. Now maybe, maybe the reason we do this is because... Welcoming Jesus into our homes could change our lives. And for those of us respectable types who have images to maintain and a lot to lose, well, we're not so sure we really want that much grace. I mean, just a, a little dab will do. After all, many of us are far more committed to so many other things than we are to Jesus. Our careers, our wealth, our social status, our precious ointments. And the idea of becoming radically generous toward Jesus, like the woman in Simon's house, makes us very uncomfortable and uneasy. Perhaps because like Simon, We have failed to receive much of God's grace. So we're happy to invite Jesus for Christmas dinner, but then we'll quickly send him on his way so that we can get back to our comfortable lives. But if we do that, then we will never experience the freedom and the new life that Jesus was born to give us. The choice is yours. But the savior is on his way. And he comes bearing gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love, all wrapped up in forgiveness, and your name is on them. Oh, you might think that your your sin is is just too great to be forgiven that that There's no way you could ever make up for all that you've done. And of course, you're right. You can't. But that is why Jesus paid the debt for you. And it's why he's coming to your home this Christmas. That you might experience his gift of forgiveness and be at peace. All you have to do is welcome him in and gratefully receive it.